Welcome to Beyond Dollars and Cents. This is Holland Henderson, and this is the Risk and Reward Podcast. Today, we have some very special guests, uh, Julie Stern and Dr. Stephanie Bowes. How are you guys doing today? Great. How are you? Good. Doing well. Doing well. Yes. Very excited. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, excited to talk about what you guys are doing in our community. Um, so real quick, who are you and what do you do? My name is Julie Stern, and I am the co-founder and COO of Everlove Vet Care. Uh, born and raised in Lakeland, Florida, I have uh, worked in the animal health space for about 15 years in a range of different settings, from retail to medical, and um, moved back to Lakeland to raise a family and start a business. Fantastic. So I'm the veterinarian mm-hmm. in Everloved. I serve as the medical director. I have been a small animal veterinarian since graduating in 2016. Been working in the Lakeland, Tampa area ever since. Um, I'm a wife and a doting mom on two boys. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Well, good. So tell us about Everloved. What is it? What do you guys do? So Everloved is a very special project Um, to Julie and I, we saw a need for this service within the veterinary community. It offers very specific end-of-life services, whether that's a quality-of-life assessment or a euthanasia service within a family's home. So it truly just allows that comfort and that peace within the own environment of the pet. So how, so how did y'all see Lakeland as the place, this is where we need to start this, this is what we need to do? So for me, I personally had a terrible end-of-life experience with my heart dog, Ziggy, and mm. starting with just a really bad emergency visit, not in this area, I will say <laughs> that. Um, and it was just, it was cold, It there was no support, there was really no communication, and Being in the space, um, I had heard about models like this, and I was back in Lakeland, and I noticed there wasn't anything like that. Dr. Stephanie was actually my dog Stormy's vet. Okay. And specifically the last three years of her life, and the type of care that Dr. Bose gave to our family, the communication, everything was just second to none, and... You know, I had this idea to start the business locally. There was nothing like that that existed at the time. And it just organically, the timing was right. And I approached Dr. Bose about working with me. And fortunately, she said yes. And that's here great. we are. So clearly, you know, pets are becoming uh, a lot more members of the family. So we're moving kind of out of, I don't know where the transition was, if it was old yeller or something around that. Um, but, you know, moving from more of outside uh, accompaniment to more inside family. So I can definitely see where this these services are growing. Mm-hmm. But to what extent? What am I, you know, how big is this really getting as far as pets becoming members of the household? This is, this is huge. There is a lot of talk and research about the human-animal bond today. I think there's... 66% of families are pet-owning families, 
and 85% of dog owners consider their pet a part of the family. There's huge, huge, huge growth. And we're seeing that that was, you know, you know, driven more by the pandemic. 78% of pet parents actually adopted. And just with the lifestyle and the way that we're living now, it's just created more of a need for people to come in the home for more specialty services, things like that. We're seeing a grow, a growing mobile movement as it is. There's, you know, mobile groomers, there's mobile mm-hmm. GPs, there's urgent care specifically. It's just the whole industry has been changing just on a macro level. Okay. Yeah. So is this the way that the um, medical community for veterinary science, is this the way that everything's moving to be more home-based or is this still very niche? I would still consider this niche. I would not think that everything is going to be moving home-based, but it certainly allows us to broaden that spectrum of care when we consider what our patients and animals deserve and need. Um, We live on that spectrum, and I think veterinary care needs to continue to represent a spectrum of care versus a standard to live by. And the way that we offer at-home services allows so much of that comfort and peace and low stress for family members and pets alike. Um, Yes, there are many other things that we're trying to innovate and and recognize what it means to be a veterinarian for not just the pet, but for the family. Um, And this is just one part of it. Um, I believe we're moving into a more niche-driven industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, The idea of us being everything to everyone is not filling that void any longer as these pets are seen as family members. And so it's not everything being in the home, but this is certainly something that has its place and is so much better for the families. So out of, you know, that kind of brings me back to another question. Um, Out of the services that you guys provide, what percentage is really for the pet and what percentage is probably for the, the owner and the family? Sure. That's an excellent question. Mm-hmm. I would say it's equally for both the pet and the family. There are plenty of patients out there that cannot get into the clinic without pain, stress, or anxiety, mm. um, in which this type of appointment better serves that pet alone. There are plenty of families that not everyone can make a visit to the hospital in order to spend that last moment with their pet. Um, Sometimes these families have members that are homebound. What if the family has multitude of, of members in it that want to say their goodbye? A clinic's exam room will only hold a few people at a time. I've had it to where appointments contain eight, nine, ten family members um, to say their goodbye, and it's absolutely beautiful. You can't do that in a clinic. So to say it's one versus the other, I think it's very much both. Mm. We're not trying to replace anything. It's an extension of options for people out there, and it's what we've heard 
from people that they want. They just want more options and we want to be able to, you know, custom, you know, yeah. serve them. And I think that that's, I, I definitely can see that in the practices and the services that you guys are bringing. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I would say that grief is a big part of this. Um, you know, what, is there much of a difference from the way that we communicate or we connect with our animals from a, the grief aspect between a pet versus a person. So a loved one passes away. I mean, is it the same level of grief uh, that we we would feel as as owners versus as companions? It absolutely can be. Um, I think that pet loss, I'm very passionate about this and I think we need to normalize that. Mm -hmm. I have heard from some pet parents that you know, you see those memes on social media about, you know, dogs live such a short time because they know unconditional love. I've been told by pet parents, you know, this dog loved me more than I was ever loved by a parent. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes even losing a pet can even be more um, painful than losing a loved one, a human loved one. Now, now, is there a different procedure for service dogs versus mm. so personal pets? Not necessarily a different procedure, but certainly the understanding for a service dog seems to be more accepting of someone grieving that much more because it's not only a part of a companionship, it's to allow a person to live their life as normal as possible. Um, so when you lose that, it's truly a loss of of themselves to an extent. Uh, I mean, I would imagine their ability and freedom to to kind of negotiate themselves around the community. Absolutely. I think it's just we've got to, again, just normalize it. Pet loss somehow has a shorter time length when mm. it comes to grief versus grieving for humans. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to wrap up this segment and we'll be right back. And we're back with Risk and Reward, and we've got Julie Stern and Stephanie Bowes. Dr. Stephanie Bowes, I apologize. Oh, no worries. Okay. Uh, here with Everloved, and we're just continuing the conversation of an important topic of just giving dignity to families who um, are at that very difficult uh, segue uh, at the end of a pet's life. So um, give us a little bit more detail. Like, why are you so impassioned about this? Clearly you had a story with, with your, um, dog Ziggy, mm -hmm. um, who passed away, but why do you feel like this is something that your community or communities really need here? Yeah. I mean, telling people that I work in the veterinary industry in general, mm -hmm. you run into another pet parent and they always have a story yeah. And 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 that's what I love and I've heard so many stories about this, you know, oh, I wish I would have had. I had a terrible end of life experience or I didn't know what to do. I had all these feelings. I didn't know how to talk to my kids. I mean, just hearing from so many voices that there is this need for this type of very personalized kind of slow and steady service that's that's been such a driver. So you kind of hit on something there. Uh, I mean, do you help with the conversation with children from, you know, we took, you know, Annie down to the farm and that's where she's going to live now to, 
I mean, death is a very, mm-hmm. a very big part of our lives, and it shouldn't be removed. And if we don't talk about death, it doesn't give the dignity. That's so interesting you bring that up. So not only for children. Mm-hmm. So there are very specific phrases and very specific language that we need to take great care to use with children. Um, we don't want to put a lot of those kind of cloudy phrases, you know, he's going to sleep, mm-hmm. then they'll be scared to go to bed that night. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. So there are ways that we need to be very delicate with our word choices when it comes to children or family members that don't always know what euthanasia means. Right. So euthanasia, in its very raw form, it means the good death. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure we maintain that as a normal, natural part, because that is a certainty in everyone's lives and the lives that we are in charge of, including our pets. Um, It's often called an unmentionable. Okay. And there was an article in 2021 that a series of 500 clinic websites were looked at and only about maybe a third of those websites even mentioned euthanasia as being offered um as an option for pets right just or just talked about i mean that's one of our most common end of life services is a euthanasia and i've done this service a number of times in order to give peace to these pets. And if you only have a third of the animal hospitals out there speaking out about it and talking to parents as an option or trying to do some sort of end of life planning Mm -hmm. for these animals, the feeling of shock, surprise, guilt, is always present and it's even more highlighted when it's not even brought up and talked to when it comes to pet ownership. So one of the conversations I had on the show a couple years back was with Dr. Lindy Davidson and it was with uh, end of life care for people, Mm -hmm. right? And just having, it was about having those conversations. And one of the topics that we got on was how we have somewhat removed death from our society, right? We don't deal with our own dead bodies. We don't Mm-hmm. You know, we just kind of give them to the funeral home. You guys take care of it. And then, you know, it, there's that removal. Do you think that there is, especially from a pet's perspective, I mean, not the pet, but the pet owner's perspective, there's a little bit more closure or clarity if it's done kind of there with you, you're able to say goodbye. I mean, exactly what I, what I perceive your services are. Absolutely. Um to me, the human-animal bond, it should continue. And I think, um, you know, personally, we lost our dog about a month ago, our dog Stormy. Mm. And our experience doing it at the home with Dr. Bose, it, it just having the time she was there with us, including the two children, you know, for two hours, 
We talked through everything. She would give us some time as a family alone to grieve or to share memories. It was so personal versus my other dog where the end of life just felt so final. And that was sort of, I couldn't keep remembering him. It was just so painful. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Stormy, we are sad. You know, we miss her, but it just felt so different. It felt so positive. We can talk about her freely. Like, I don't know if it's just me, but it, it was so much more meaningful. Now, while you're there, how long usually is the process of your services if you're there for just that day to provide euthanasia, right? So uh, how long do you guys normally stick around? Typically, I'm there for well over an hour. The appointments are designed for two-hour blocks in order to allow that time to not only do the physical exam, to also listen to the history, to also take in what the family and caretakers have been dealing with. And then at that time, they feel comfortable in one direction or the other. And then we move forward with what they want. Um, When it comes to the actual procedure itself, it moves smoothly through sedation and into those final moments. There's not a lot of time in between medications. So when, when should uh, a pet owner think about end-of-life planning? Like how far in advance should you say, okay, th- we need to have at least a plan and someone call the ball in there? Because my experience with some of my friends and family members was, you know, did we wait too long or did we go too mm-hmm. early? Sure. Right. So what, is, what does that look like? What would your advice be? I think it's a case-by-case situation. What are some things that they should probably look for, I guess? Absolutely. Um, Typically, when we start talking about end-of-life planning, it's from a very specific diagnosis that a pet has had. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, they've been diagnosed with a chronic illness that we know we're not going to get improvement through, but maybe we can manage for a little bit on medication. A lot of those conversations are still had at the veterinary office with a general practitioner or if they have the ability to see a specialist for a certain condition, such as cancers. Um, When it comes to what they're actually looking for, there are different signs that we all are kind of taught to recognize and even families and pet owners they see certain signs like appetite loss the inability to move not wanting to spend time with them any longer Hmm. those are all very very specifics um on occasion we'll see such a small decline over a larger time period um, that may not allow too many defining factors to really look at. Uh, There's a number of different quality of life assessment scoring cards that owners can go through. And do you offer those services as well? You'll just come and make an at-home assessment like hospice would? Right. Yes, I do. Um, I will visit families and 
listen to the previous or recent diagnosis and do my physical examination. The beauty about that and being in their own environment, I can recognize between a pain or a stress of being in a clinic setting and really see how they're responding in their own environment. There are certain environmental things that I could also maybe ask the owners to tweak to improve the quality of life if we're not quite at a moment where we need to consider euthanasia. So uh, from start to finish, I mean, how many times are you generally visiting with the client or the, the family prior to the act of, of putting the, the pet to sleep? Typically, when they are calling us, the pet is ready. Okay. They have already recognized a lot of those signs. Pet parents and families don't necessarily want to make that final decision until someone professionally has looked at the pet. And so it can start out as a quality of life assessment, mm-hmm. but they do usually turn into a euthanasia. However, I have had appointments to where I can confirm with the owner, no, she is not ready. Mm -hmm. Um, Please contact me if anything else changes and I'll be back. Um, But that's a little bit more rare right now. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and take our next break and we'll be right back. And we're back with Risk and Reward with our guests, Julie Stern and Dr. Stephanie Bowes. So let's talk a little bit about the business and where it's going. Where do you see, um, how do you see this growing to be a part of the community, right? How do you, how do you see this kind of getting into the ether of what we do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for now, our main focus is Polk County and the Plant City area. That's, that is our market that we're focused on and doing the absolute best white glove service that we possibly can. I know both Dr. Bose and I are speaking to a lot of people. We're, you know, forging relationships with a lot of primary care practices in town, which have been super positive. You know, we look at those relationships as a partnership. A lot of these veterinarians have been seeing their patients from the time they were puppies or kittens Mm. all the way till the end. And we want to just ensure that they feel trust at referring those to us if their clients want at-home care. So for now, the focus is just doing the very best we can in our home market and making it known that the service exists and making it accessible for as many people as possible, particularly those who physically need the care in their home. So this would be more of a para-veterinary service is, is that the way kind of an arm of veterinary? So you would, uh, you would want the referrals of, of the primary care to come your way. It's not required. Sure. Anybody can call us directly, but you know, people do trust their veterinarian. Pet parents are pretty compliant. They, they still do trust their vet. I think more than they trust their primary care doctors mm-hmm. in this day and age. And having the support of the local veterinarians and their confidence means a lot to us. And it is something that, you know, we'll go into clinics and do lunch and learns and help educate and support their teams and, 
you know, we do look at it as a partnership and, and most of the, the veterinarians look at us as a partner and not as any sort of competitive threat. Absolutely. You know, they have extremely great demands, especially since COVID and all the pet adoption that's gone on. Clinics are busier than ever mm. and they don't always have the time to spend two hours with a family. Yeah, I can see what so that would be. For them, it's, I think, you know, helpful and a relief to be able to refer to someone they trust and now they have someone. So what do you think since starting the business would be kind of your most influential resource so far? Where, where have you felt either invigorated or fed into from other other entities or a person I know for me, I, I know we've talked a lot about mentors and the importance, and I, I know Dr. Bose has some medical people who are experts in this space, and, and for me, I have those as well. Um, there was a doctor who I worked with. Um, he's a colleague and a friend, and he actually started Urgent Vet and grew it from a couple locations to 60 now nationally, and um kind of walked me through what it was like to be an owner and mm. starting small. And then, you know, how do you scale and still maintain that quality? And so having people who have been there, who have done something different to be able to lean on them is, is hugely valuable just to have that sounding board of somebody you respect. And I'm kind of a nerd. So um, <laughs> I believe everybody needs a good framework in life right. for everything. Um, so the book traction, it's part of the EOS, the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial operating system, say that five times fast. That's, right. um, that's been something that as a company, we've embraced a, a very small company, um, but we use it to really streamline our operations and just make sure that we're always aligned on our mission. And, you know, how do we, how do we grow and how do we really measure success? And basically it's our roadmap for reaching our potential. So I would, what could be perceived as a very depressing topic, right? To, to push death, if you will. Um, but how do you kind of keep the brevity um, or the life into your business? I mean, clearly you guys are having hard conversations with people um, on a daily basis. And, but I, I feel like there's a part of what you guys do, a large part that's very life-giving, if you will. So how do you balance that with with going back and forth between hard conversations and hard times in the sense of what you're doing for the family versus getting back and being reinvigorated within your business? Mm. Why don't you start? <laughs> Just pass it off. <laughs> so it's actually really interesting because I get this comment almost every visit I make. I don't know how you do this mm. or your job is so hard. Right. And it's something that, yes, it is difficult and it can be wearing. However, it is so fulfilling for me mm. to be there for not only a pet in order to offer that kind of peace and send off at their home, but also to be able to offer such comfort and closure to the owners and to the family. Um, it's beautiful. 
And I've never received as much gratitude for what I do in the veterinary field as I have in any of these appointments. This is where I receive the most love and support from pet owners are these appointments. And yes, it is so sad and it is devastating for these families at that time. But I'm so thankful and honored for every home I get invited into. And it is fulfilling. There is a limit. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. There's, and we have to take care to, to manage that. And when we are able to add members to the veterinary team, making sure that we have a beat on everyone's mental health and well-being is extremely important to us because there's a limit to how much deep and powerful emotions someone can take on, regardless of how fulfilling it can be at the end of the day. Um, so that's, that's something that we will work through, through true mentorship and support and listening to those doctors of what they need. Mm. So has there been a difficulty in creating marketing content um, for your services? And, and what I mean by that is making sure that it still has the, the message that you're conveying, the services that you provide, but also clarity in what you're actually providing. Does that make sense? I think so. Um, I mean, for us, I just, we are what we are. You mm. know, we try to put it out there. You know, it's, it is death. It is end of life, but it's, it can be a beautiful thing. And we just want to bring that positivity. Like there's a, there's a death positive movement in the human space right now. I think so. And, I agree with that. Yeah. And we're just trying to have the same sort of tone, the same sort of feel. Um, you know, we want to walk this walk with families. One of the things that we offer for free to pet families around Polk County, they don't have to use our services, are grief support groups mm. where people can come together, whether it's anticipating anticipatory grief, you know, there's, um, you get a difficult diagnosis and how do you deal with that versus now, pet loss? Are you guys, um, working through those conversations or is, are you guys facilitating it or are you just giving an avenue for the groups? We have a veterinary social worker, um, who is running these. She works with us and she does all the facilitation and she's been doing this for 15 years and, um, she's worked in clinic before, and she's come on board with us to do these virtually. Um, they're offered twice a week, every other week. Oh, wow. That's phenomenal. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, just the, the services of them in and of themselves and the word of mouth, yeah. you know, of people connecting. I would imagine that there already is some pretty good communities that are set up from yeah. – pet families, if you will. I mean, you know, there's, um, seems to be a lot more dog parks, a lot more places for people to gather that mm -hmm. have pets. Um, so it's, that's very interesting. All right. We're going to go ahead and take our next break and we'll be right back. And we're back with risk and reward and our guest Julie Stern and Dr. Stephanie Bowes. Um, so 
you guys are locally owned, right? And what is the benefit of having just that you guys know about your community, right? What what is you guys know the community, know the people you're from here. How is that beneficial to the family? Sure. Um, so I'm actually second generation Lakelander. Oh, My wow. parents were born and raised in Lakeland and grew up together. So that was really cool to be able to bring my family back here. Mm-hmm. And now my boys, third generation. It's just really neat. Yeah. Um, but the community itself, it's so important for me to have been involved in the community, whether it be with service groups or through veterinary industry as far as an organized medicine um, level. It was just, it's not just about kind of putting my head in the sand and and doing day-to-day veterinary work. It was about being a part of the community mm-hmm. and really getting to know the pulse of the city and recognizing that these families deserve this service. This is why we are here. This is, we are so dedicated to Lakeland and the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know the area, we are that much more, I don't want to, maybe indebted to do our very best sure. for them. And so that's why it was very important. Yeah, we've just seen a trend over the last 10, 15 years, the corporatization of veterinary medicine. Not saying there's anything wrong with corporations, <laughs> but, um, you know, there is a difference. And I think we feel it when we walk into uh, GP practices locally. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know the people in the waiting room and Dr. Bose knows the other doctors and they feel, I think, um, comfortable with someone they know being able to give that referral you know there are friends and neighbors and you know some of these folks we've known our whole lives and and it does make us feel like yeah you know we want to serve our community this has been an unmet need we want to do the very best that we possibly can Mm. so what does success look like forever loved so how, how you know what does it look like I mean, obviously, we want to grow and take over the entire world. Oh, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that's valid. Yeah. Of course, of course. Um, I don't know. I think right now, starting off, our focus is just the intangibles. Like, how are we going to make the most difference in the lives of these pet families? Just like um, Dr. Bose goes in and, and she does the thing. I mm-hmm. mean, she like hats off. Um, I will go in after a service and I'll deliver the eternity bag with the cremains and the paw prints to the families. And it's so beautiful. They invite me into their homes. Sometimes I've had two hour conversations with families and they'll show me pictures and share memories of their pets. And just like Dr. Bo said, they're so grateful for what we were able to give them. And, and I know that touches my life. It's the most fulfilling work I've done. I wish I could do what she does, but, um, nevertheless, it's, it's just incredible. And that's, we want to make that kind of difference. Do y'all have any 10, I mean, of course you do cause you're a business, but any, you know, what, what does your business look like in, you know, five, 10, 15 years? What would you, in a dream scenario, Definitely multi-state. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I can't go into a lot of specifics right now, sure. but just expanding the view of what end of life means and can look like. And that's all I can say for now. Okay, perfect. I love that. Stay tuned. There you go. So what other, so what other services, and I really like the, um, you know, bringing people back into a community, especially for grieving and just connecting people. I think that's extremely valuable for the human element of what you guys do. Um, uh, you know, I think that we are, uh, you know, very social um, creatures, right? We are the most social creature. So having other people to understand what you're going through and to walk alongside of it, I think it's an absolute value. So how would people get involved in these groups if they've not used your services, but you said, hey, there's opportunity here, how would they find that? Absolutely. So they can either go to our website, everloved.vet, and there is a link to join grief support groups. Um, And additionally, with our partnerships with other veterinary hospitals, they're putting up our materials and inside we have trifolds as well as grief support cards. There's a QR code that they can click on and they can sign up for those sessions. Hmm. So kind of, you know, thinking about wrapping up this podcast, what, what things do you think, you know, top three things that you think that the, the families should know or address? As far as knowing all of their options when it comes to end of life. Um, We are very much available for both the assessment and the service itself. Um, Preparedness. I think we talk certainly about trying to come to the conclusion or confirmation that they're making the right decision. But a lot of times people see weeks or potentially months within a pet's life that we are declining. Um, There's bucket lists that people have developed for their families and their pets to make that end process not as, you know, slam the door in your face. It's, Mm -hmm. It's a welcome for this pet, a welcome for these families. So... Bucket lists can certainly be designed very specifically to the family and to the pet. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. All right. So I end every podcast the same way. So both of you have to answer because both of you are here, right? So <laughs> what are you currently reading and listening to right now? Reading or listening to? So a couple of things that I've bounced. I've just started Wild Things nurturing boys oh wow okay (laughs) yeah yeah so very much a parenting book but it's it's really beautiful just kind of reading about boys and their mentality but you can almost connect it to different people too and personalities and how to potentially handle things diffuse things differently Mm -hmm. um body language is a big thing even in my uh profession. Are you starting to see how boys are a little bit more pets than humans? Oh, well, you know, (laughs) if, yeah, um, just received in the mail, which I have not opened yet. It's the last walk. It's about a end of life for pets Mm. in general. And it's 
meant to be a beautiful story. That's great. What about you, Julie? I just finished reading All Dogs Go to Kevin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this is a beautiful memoir. It's by Dr. Jessica Vogel saying, and she um, kind of talks about her life in veterinary medicine from when she graduated all the way now. You know, she's a mother and she each section is divided up with her own pets and, you know, loss and that experience she had with each of them and sort of what they taught her about herself and how our pets can teach us so much more about ourselves than what we expect. And it was a beautiful, beautiful memoir. That's great. All right. So where are you most encouraged uh, in your life or in your practice right now? What are you most encouraged about? What I, what has been really touching to me and sometimes I'll go in with Dr. Bose to these visits, and even if it's just the visit after, just being witness to such unconditional love. Mm. And that gives me so much encouragement and just positivity walking through life. That's great. What about you, Dr. Bose? Very encouraged about opportunity. Okay. Um, had it not been for Julie and Everloved, I don't believe I would have been able to make this forward motion in my my career um, at this stage where I have more of a say in a business and the development and truly building a team. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. All right. So how can people get in touch with Everloved? You can give us a call at 863-225-4263. Or via website, everloved.vet. And you can also find us on social media. Wonderful. Well, thank you, ladies, both for coming in and visiting with me for a while. Again, this is Holland Henderson, financial advisor with Allen & Company. If you go to alleninvestments.com, there's a lot of really wonderful podcasts and blogs uh, that are wonderful writers and hosts. So please take a look at those. Uh, until next time, have a wonderful day. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult with an appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Guests appearing on the show and their respective companies are not affiliated with LPL Financial and Allen & Company. Investment advisory services offered through Allen & Company of Florida, LLC, Allen & Co., and its affiliate LPL Financial, LLC, LPL, Registered Investment Advisors. Securities offered through LPL, member FINRA, SIPC.